Facts of Faith on SAFM. Now let me introduce you to our guest for tonight, and this is in no particular order. We do have Ras Tau Tau Ramanuba. He's the president of the Rastafari United Front. Ras, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, Naye, and the listeners of uh, SAFM. Thank you again for inviting us to be part of this conversation. We do have Pastor Joshua Mapongo. He's a bishop, a cultural activist, a writer, a fighter of spiritual colonialism. Good evening to you, Bishop, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, sir. Naye just increases the volume on my head. On my head, just there. I can't hear you very clearly. Okay. Thank you for having me on show. Yeah. All right. They're listening. I'm sure Wabana will work on that. And also we do have Sheikh Rafiq Hassan from the Islamic Interfaith Research Institute. Once again to you, Sheikh, good evening and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, good evening, Naya, and to your listenership and to the guests. Let's jump right in. Perhaps we must begin with the Russ right there. Your faith, Russ, uh, what's your take as far as slavery is concerned? Um... Rastafari is a response to colonialism and slavery, as we know that it emanated from the enslaved Africans, the diaspora Africans. So it is fundamentally against slavery. It further not only chattel and physical slavery, but also mental slavery. As most people are common to one of the philosophical lines of Rastafari that Bob Miley sing about, that emancipate yourself from mental slavery. So. Our faith and its part and orientation is totally anti-slavery. Okay. All right. Totally against slavery. Um, uh, Pastor Maponga, your faith. Uh, we cannot be here at this age in 2019-2020 trying to protect the Bible and the Israeli Abrahamic religion and faith and the Bible from blatant issues which have now become... Uh, difficult to accept in the face of modern modernity. The Bible in its own condones slavery, institutes slavery, allows the chosen to enslave other nations, even kill them, murder, and everything else. So we're not here to try and sugarcoat a text. The text simply says that uh, it is a Hebrew person, an Israeli person, uh, chosen nation of Abraham, is allowed to own slaves, Beat them up, but don't kill them. But slavery, the Bible actually teaches it, can even give the precepts of how to treat slaves. So anyone else who has got a problem with that may have a problem with the text. Okay, so what exactly is your response there, Bishop? Hello? The Bible, the Bible condones, promotes, encourages, teaches, manages and, and slavery. <laughs> okay, so inherently, you're one of those people who are supporting, condones, and, and regulates slavery. Uh, the, when the Europeans and the British did it, they were actually in obedience with the word. Whether they were Jews or Hebrews, that's another subject for another day. But whoever takes himself into the platform of a Hebraic covenant needs to start dealing with slavery as a fact. It's not fiction. It's a it's actually a, 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 a inculcated, it is embedded 
intentionally mentioned, promoted, supported by the tech system. Yeah, what I'm trying to establish is since you are an adherent and a believer and a supporter, reader and preacher of the scriptures, the Christian scriptures, so that effectively means that you too support. And I can't even afford a slave. I can't even afford a slave. They just discussed the Bible for today. <laughs> I can't even afford a slave myself. But if I had money, I could actually use the Bible to do that. So for today, let me stay where I am. I can't even afford I have people working in the house, but whether they are slaves or not, I call them servants. But the Bible on that issue for today, allow me to be blunt. To be blunt. Yeah. Yeah. That one issue that actually makes me very uncomfortable. I know, I realize. Particularly on the issue of slavery, because when you turn it around and you put blacks in the equation, yes. it justifies the Europeans colonizing Africans yeah. and making them into slaves. I realize. I can hear from the tone of your voice this conversation is very uncomfortable for you. Let's move on to the Sheikh. Sheikh, from the perspective of of Islam, um, what is uh, your faith's position on slavery? Well, uh, Naya, we start off by saying that slavery was uh, a rampant uh, in institution. It was rampant in the time, uh, you know, of the, the prophets in the past, biblical prophets, as well as the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon them all. So when, when he arrived in the scene in Arabia, slavery was uh, the norm, and slavery was very rife. So he found... Uh, you know, uh, when he came and uh, when the Quran came, slavery was rampant and it was, uh, you know, being practiced by the Arab community and the world at large in that region. As, but he came to abolish it and he came to put a stop to it. So, um, and that's the, the position that Islam came and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, condemned it. Uh, the Quran condemned and the Prophet condemned it uh, to the point where he says that you must do away with it. All right. So when you say the Prophet said that, are you referring to him in the Hadith, perhaps, or in the Quran? Is there somewhere where he speaks against it? Well, it's even in the Quran. You know, we'd like to stick to the Quran. The scripture itself, uh, you know, uh, talks about uh, abolishing of slavery. Sorry, sorry. So that it's the bishop speaking there. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, so for instance, the, 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 uh, the, the Quran itself, there are many verses. I'll just give you one just to begin the discussion. In chapter 90 of the Quran, verse, you know, in the chapter 90 of the Quran, at the beginning, it talks about, it describes the two kinds of roads, you know, you get two, two pathways in life. <clears throat> and then it says, what will explain to you what is the steep road? You know, there's an easy road and there's a high road. And he says, what is the high road? The high road is to free a slave, you know, to, to make sure that you free a slave. So by that, there are many, many verses. So the Quran came and found slavery. The Prophet, peace be upon him, found it. But he, there are many verses in the Quran. And in his practice, uh, you know, he, he actually uh, was, uh, came to abolish slavery. And he achieved uh, and encouraged the Muslims to free the slaves that they had. Uh, at the time and to do away with slavery. All right. So you, you're saying as far as the Quran is concerned, it is against slavery. Yes. All right. Definitely. And that applies with all of Islam uh, henceforth, right? The Quran. The Quran, yeah. Look, Muslims practice slavery. That's another matter. Yeah, they practice it in the time of the Prophet and after that. Yeah. Yes, not they did practice actually. Now that we have a, a, a Muslim, a Muslim uh, 
mammon in our hands. I, I wonder why would we say Islam condemns slavery, whereas Islam to date actually practices slavery. We have uh, a number of cases in the Arabic space, you know, Saudi Arabia and etc., where Kenyans, um, where we have um, uh, librarians, where we have also... Saudi Arabia is not Islam, uh, are being taken as slaves into, into Saudi Arabia, which is a practice that is right like now, not yesterday, not tomorrow. If religion condemns it, why is it being practiced? Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point you mentioned, but I said earlier on, Naya, that we must separate what uh, the Quran says and what Islam says from what Saudi Arabia is doing or what South Africa is doing or what anybody is doing. Uh, it's different, two different things. You know, there are good Christians and bad Christians. The Bible says one thing, but maybe a Christian who claims to be following that Bible is doing the opposite. So the fault is the Christian, it's not the Bible. So in, my, in our case... Yes, I, I concede that uh, there were Muslims who carried on. Uh, with, I, I concur with the, with the bishop or the reverend there. But uh, Saudi Arabia is not Islam, does not represent Islam. Uh, it's the Quran. We should discuss it from the point of view of our Holy Scripture. And the right. Holy Scripture, uh, you know, uh, it came to abolish it. It, does not, uh, it condemns slavery and it tells you to abolish it. All right. I want to take a break. When we come back, I want us to chew on those very issues because um, there are some of your scholars who are uh, prominent and are members of the council in, in, in Saudi, for example, that would give a, a slightly different view from what you're saying there, Sheikh. Okay. So when we come back from the break, I'll read that verbatim and then you can respond to that. We'll look into the Quran and then you can respond to those verbatim. Uh, I would have I would imagine that perhaps you would, you would have taken the route of the bishop there, but I see you've got a different view, so let's engage. You're listening to Facts of Faith. We're talking about slavery tonight. What is religion's position on slavery? This in, in the wake of here in Johannesburg, there were slaves discovered in a Chinese factory. I call them slaves because they were treated in inhumane conditions. They were not paid accordingly and even the, the, the condition they were found in was substandard beneath that of a human being. Qualifying of the definition of slavery modern and ancient slavery you're listening to facts of faith across south africa online and on radio safm let's talk Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're listening to Facts of Faith. We're trying to tackle a very uncomfortable subject, the subject of slavery, modern-day slavery. And we are now trying to grapple with some of the responses we got from our guests. And you heard uh, Bishop Mponga raising some issues about what's happening in Saudi Arabia. And the Sheikh responding, uh, Saudi Arabia is not Islam. Islam is Islam and Saudi Arabia is merely a geographical area that so happens to have Islam as its faith. But now, Sheikh, uh, here comes Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan. Do you know Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan? Heard of him? Yeah, he's one of the prominent scholars in Saudi Arabia. Quite frankly, he's a member of many, many councils in Saudi Arabia. And he is quoted to have uh, contradicted what you just said. I want to read his quote, and then perhaps you can respond to his quote. Mm -hmm. He says, slavery is a part of Islam. Those who argue that slavery is abolished are ignorant, not scholars. They are merely writers. Whoever says such things 
is an infidel. Full stop, close quote. Would you like to respond yeah. to this? Sir? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, Naya. Yes, sir. Uh, he, uh, in Islam, we do not have priesthood, number one. We do not have papacy. We don't have a pope who passes rule. We have the Quran, which is the God's, uh, you know, divine word. And I challenge him or anybody to show me where it is stated in the Quran, because the Quran is the word of guidance and the book of law of the Muslims. You know, as Jesus, peace be upon him, came in Matthew and he told them that you must follow the law, you know, as, as it was given in the Torah. Now, the Quran is our law. Show me where he, he, he's making these statements because the Saudi, he's trying to justify the slavery okay. which the Saudis and the Omanis practice. Yeah. I am conceding with the bishop. The Saudis are practicing slavery, but this is not Islam. They are a Muslim country. They're not an Islamic country. You see, if, if there's a majority Muslim, it doesn't mean they are Islam. To be Islam, you have to follow the Quran and the Sunnah. All right. Let's read some from, from the Quran and then perhaps you can give us your understanding okay. of what those texts in the Quran read. I'm reading from 7 to 1. Verse 7 to 1, this is Quran 16. I'm sure you'll be very aware of what Quran 16 is about. Um, would you like to read it, shall I? Now read it for me. All right. 7 to 1 reads, And Allah hath favored some of you above others in provision. Now those who are more favored will by no means hand over their provision to those slaves whom their right hands possess, so that they may be equal with them in respect thereof. Is it then the grace of Allah that they deny? That's 16 verse 71. Your understanding of that text, Jake? Is the Sheikh still there? We've lost the Sheikh there. All right. Sheikh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm okay, here. okay. Your understanding of the text there, Quran sixteen seventy one, Sheikh. Yeah. Now, look. You must understand that I, I come again and say that that verse you got to read it in the context that slavery was already present at the time when that verse was revealed. Yeah. The Arabs were, you know, practicing slavery at the time. Yeah. And 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 so that verse is trying to. They did not want to. And the, that verse actually is saying that you don't want to give your money to free the slaves. So you better do that. Yeah. You know they were reluctant to do it. It doesn't mean the Quran is encouraging it. If you read that verse, it's saying you do not want to give it to them. And and I will show you verses where it said that you must give it to them. You know, it it, it was it came in stages. Uh, like alcohol, the, the prohibition of alcohol, they found the Arabs were drinking, but it didn't, couldn't abolish it. It's a long, you know, a centuries institution, so it's, it's going to take time to educate people. Yeah. So the Quran came to tell them, you must give your money to and free the slave. I gave you verse 90, which says, if you want to know what is the right thing to do, free a slave. I'll give you another verse in the Quran, which is, you must give your money, you know, charity. You know, we normally give charity, uh, Naya. Yeah, yeah. The Quran Arms. tells us straight that one of the charities, and I'll give you the verse in chapter, uh, you know, nine, uh, verse 60, tells you that your charity must be used and your money must be used to free a slave. Yeah. So, you know, it was educating the people. They were reluctant to do it because some of them were just new Muslims or it was an ancient tradition. Habits, bad habits take long to die. So it was in the process of educating them, but it was encouraging them to, to use the money and to free the slaves. All right. So uh, you're suggesting that um, while it does not abolish slavery, it merely regulated how it should be dealt with. 
Am I understanding well, look, it, you well, Jake? It, uh, Islam did not come to abolish slavery because it founded there, but it yeah. came to discourage it and to tell you it's not right. All right. You know, it's all, that's a societal institution. Islam on its own couldn't come and do it, but it's telling its followers that you you don't keep slaves anymore and you treat them well, and you, the best thing to do is to free them. Yeah, and and one of your forefathers, um, the, the Abraham, had slaves himself. And uh, we see no mention of him doing away with Hagar. Uh, do we see that, uh, uh, Sheikh? Well, well, you see, you're going more back in time. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, look, the, the insti- this slavery institution was there. We're not, we're not denying it. It was there in, uh, in you know, from from time immemorial. It was harsh. It was bad. But you know, everything has an evolutionary process now, and. And uh, uh, by the time it came to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who was about 4,000 years or 3,000 years after Abraham, peace be upon them all, you know, it, it was starting to discourage it and say, you know, all everyone is equal in the eyes of God Almighty. Allah, the Quran is very clear of that. In chapter 17, verse 70, it says that all human beings are equal. Nobody is superior, you know, uh, to anybody Except else. Except so, those who are, who are slaves. We have found that now in, 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 in Quran, uh, uh, 16, 7 to 1 there, it says there are some who are favored above others. No, that's in terms of normal. That's, that's in society. So you are maybe you driving a better car than me. You've got more money in your bank than me. Uh, some people have more money than others. They are more well-off than that's what God is saying. In society, uh, you know, God has favored more people with money than others and, and privileges. But here the point, so that's what it is saying. It's not encouraging it, but it's saying that the law of the natural law of society is they are rich and poor in society. Some are, uh, you know, favored with, with wealth. But you must use the wealth properly. It's not yours. In Islam, your wealth is not yours. It's a trust given by God to use justly. And one of the things you must do with your, with your money is to free a slave. The Quran is very clear on that. Therein lies the issue there, um, Sheikh. If you were listening to Ras Tau Tau Haramanuba, he spoke very clearly, didn't mince his word, that his faith exists purely to counter slavery. And your faith seems to be comfortable with it. It found it there. It regulates it. It doesn't abolish it. It doesn't speak against it. It doesn't see it as subhuman conduct, as would be the case with Rastafari movement. Would it be correct to say modern-day Muslims uh, have don't see it as uh, as, no. as other people see it? As if we're to look at the Quran, they are not taught to hate slavery. Can I disagree with him? Yeah. I'm quoting. I'm quoting you something from Ibn Majah. I'll, I'll give you verses of the Quran, chapter two, verse one seventy-seven, chapter nine, verse sixty. All is telling you to free a slave. Use your money, and, and it, it, slavery is not right. You must, you must free them. It, it, it doesn't say slavery of, is not right. There does it say that, uh, Sheikh? Does it say what? slavery is not right? When, when it says you to free the slave, so what does it mean? It means if I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you to free the slave, it means I don't agree with slavery. Uh, Get rid of it. So, I mean, you don't have to say that the mere fact that, you say at that time, if I was present in the time of the Prophet, and he's telling you, Sheikh Rafiq, use your money and get rid of the slave, does it mean he's encouraging it, or is he, just, is he, is he trying to get rid of it? It stands to reason. I mean, it's just being argumentative. You don't have to say the word, oh, I don't like slavery, therefore you must free a slave. Why are you freeing the slave then? 
It's because you don't like it. You know, it's redundant to say that. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, said in, in, in Ibn Majah, there are three categories of people on whom I myself will be a plaintiff on the day of judgment. And one of them is the one who enslaves a, a person, who keeps the person in slavery. I've got the, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, I will testify against this person. Uh, and one of them, he, he treated his slave bad. There's all these traditions are there, and I can give you the reference also by, by you know, Ibn Mas'ud, and this is where he said that if you do not rectify that matter, then you, you will end up in hell because of your ill treatment. So the prophet from the beginning was speaking out against it. Uh, initially, obviously, it was founded. He started by saying, treat them well, and then finally he said, free them. If you want to really gain salvation in the hereafter, get rid of slavery. Free them. Don't keep slaves. All right. What does it mean? All right, all right. I hear you. I hear you. Um, uh, let's go back to 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 Ras Tau Tau. Ras, you're listening to um, your your fellow panelists here. The bishop very uncomfortable, but stating the truth that his scriptures do regulate slavery. Uh, and then you're hearing the sheikh's position on the matter. I'd like to hear from you. Why does your faith rail against what other faiths seem to be comfortable and okay with? Um. Thank you again, Nye. Um I fully agree with the bishop. It's quite very clear uh, about what the scriptures say about slavery and, uh, and what has been practiced. Because largely, transatlantic slave trade was practiced by men who believed in that book, uh, who professed the faith, the Judeo-Christianity. Uh, what I find more ironic is uh, with the sheikh about uh, uh, the prophet be upon him. The Prophet himself kept a slave, Bilal al-Sudan, who was the first Muslim, whom he kept in servitude or in his service or in the service of Islam up, up until to the age of 82. And uh, again, what I really find it a little bit confusing is that the Holy Shrine of Islam, Mecca, it is found, I think, in Saudi Arabia, So, which is difficult to, get to separate these two, but confirmation that uh, is confirming that 80% or 90% of Islam, much as his holy book condemn uh, slavery, as he say, 80% of its existence is being practiced in slavery. The whole north of Africa is now Maghreb region purely because of uh, the Muslims from Saudi Arabia or from Arabia came in and occupied North Africa, uh, inflicted great genocide, practice what we call trans-Arabia slave trade, which we don't talk much about it, and which was more brutal than the, and longer than the transatlantic slave trade. So, and that uh, itself, it sums up the whole thing that Abrahamic religions are fundamentally slave religions. Uh, they've been practicing slavery uh, pre their acceptance, and after their acceptance, apartheid itself was a Christian concept. Uh, from the Dutch Reformed, Aaron Falk, and Kirk, uh, Africa Calvinist uh, people believing in the same scriptures, the same religion. So in the total summary is that both of them are, to a certain extent, considering that Abrahamic religions are slave religions and uh, justifying the fact that they need to be a response to slavery and colonialism, even modern-day slavery. Look at Libya. Africans are held in slavery by a Libyan um, Arabs who profess the faith of Islam and to come again and say they are not really Muslim, they are not Islamic, but they are Muslim, is something else. Okay. All right. Uh, let's have the, 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 the Sheikh respond, especially about Bilad al-Sudan. Can you respond to that Sheikh? 
About what? Sorry, Sudan. Balad al Sudan. Sorry? Balad al Sudan. Right. Now, look, I'm going to agree with my brother, the Tau, that I'm, I'm 100% he is right about the Maghreb and, and all this, uh, you know, Arab slavery even carrying on. Even today, I can give you examples uh, in, the, in the Middle East of modern-day slavery. So, but that's not the issue. The, if somebody is still practicing something they're not supposed to be practicing from the religious point of view, I can tell you that in Saudi Arabia, they're drinking alcohol, uh, in introducing it now in Dubai, these Muslim countries, in Pakistan, there's alcohol full, yet the Quran is prohibiting it. So what are you going to say? That the Quran is allowing it. You know, Islam is not allowing these things, Naya. I'm agreeing with my brother Tao that... Uh, it's wrong. I'm condemning the slavery that the Arabs have committed in Libya, the racism. I'm, I'm sorry, Sheikh. I, th- I think we, we, we're not quite clear. He's suggesting that the Prophet Muhammad had a slave, the first Muslim. No, that was not a slave. Now, let's talk about that. The, yeah. the, look, the Prophet came, the Prophet came uh, uh, and found slavery. So let's, let's start again there. So he came and it was prevalent. Okay, so, so let's start. We're not denying that. When he came, slavery was there. But look at it, what he reduced it to. He, that same slave whose name was Anas bin Malik, ask him. He refused to leave the Prophet, peace be upon him. The Prophet, before he had, used to make sure he, he dished out his food first. The Prophet, peace be upon him, used to make the bed for Anas. Well, Anas, instead of making the bed for the Prophet, the Prophet, he was a servant. He was someone who was, as we have today, is what we call domestic servants. And he, he, you know, you have a worker and, and you're working for somebody, but you treat your worker with dignity and equality. He brought you to that. Yes, it started off as slavery, but we got to make, draw the line between, you know, uh, uh, servants in the house, uh, workers in a, in a corporate place, your CEO and the worker. But these are demarcations. If you treat them as inferior, then it comes to slavery and discrimination, and I'm going to agree with that. Not so. The prophet came and treated everyone equally. That's what he was moving for. He found slavery there, yes. Uh, Up to now, slavery has been practiced in certain Muslim uh, Middle East countries. Yes, I'm not denying it, but that's not what the Quran and the prophet, uh, you know, encouraged. They they have came and told you to abolish it and, and to do away with it. And it's wrong. All right, uh, let's go back to the bishop. Bishop, you're listening to this conversation, and I, I, I share in your discomfort. I said so also at the beginning of this conversation. But we're seeing this situation continue. It would appear as though while the, these faiths, these particular faiths, seem to be regulating fa- uh, slavery, the whole world and the rest of Farai movement are going against it. It's calling such acts an act uh, beneath human conduct. These against human rights. These acts have been uh, frowned upon by everyone else around the world. Why does your faith, uh, Bishop, uh, seem to just regulate? Why is your why are your scriptures regulating something that the whole world is speaking against? No. Like I said at the beginning of the conversation, as theologians, uh, both in the Islamic space, in the Rastafari movement, and in the Christian space, once you assume a position higher than the one who wrote the text, then you begin to become an apologist who is trying to protect the text from itself. I think maybe the point of departure for me is an admittance, to just admit, for a start, 
that Abrahamic faith have a certain amount of favoritism towards the Jew, the Hebrew, more than other nations. And the one who is holding the Islamic text also, be it that he is an Arabic or he is Saudi Arabia or he is a, a Middle Easterner, whoever holds the text in his hand, when he reads it, the one who owns the text assumes the position of the subject matter to the one who is reading it to. So if a, if a Muslim, for example, is reading that text, or if a Saudi Arabia is reading the text, then he views everyone else as subhuman, sub-less than himself. Whereas if you could take the same text and give it to the African, and I should read the same text, it actually puts the slave and the foreigner in the same blanket. Having said that, therefore, if the African can read the Bible as the subject matter himself, then it means that the white man who has visited and the, 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 the Saudi Arabia who has visited are slaves and are visitors and aliens on our ground, and they must be treated as such. So the, the language of the text always has a higher language to the one who owns the text themselves. So if we read the text of the book of, 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 uh, of, the, of the Bible, the, the Torah, and the Quran, that talks about slaves. It depends in whose perspective are we reading. If we read it as African, then it means that the servants, the slaves, and the visitors, the strangers, and the aliens who are within our ground are in the same category as the slaves of the text themselves. With, with, with respect, Bishop, it, it doesn't really matter who's reading the text because we find the very same favored people of God, the very same Jews or Hebrews, had slaves that at some point they too were slaves. I'm not quite sure if it makes any difference. What makes a difference is why is it that your scriptures have no uh, objection? It doesn't object to slavery. It simply objects to certain people being me, enslaved. Me, me being me now, yeah? yes, sir. I'm an objective person. I don't, there are things that I believe, things that I would uphold on the text. But there are things that I would see blatantly in the, in the eyes of modernity and civilization yeah. and human rights. I would not be trying to protect the Bible which promotes slavery, which promotes women abuse, which promotes uh, all those other issues. Then I'll, 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 be, I'll, be, I'll, not, I'll not be honest. The Bible condones, the Bible accommodates, the Bible regulates slavery. The Quran promotes segregation of nationalities. Other people are higher than other people. God and Allah, peace be upon him, and Muhammad views other nations as being more advantaged than other nations. Such quality of language and such type of dogma put within a religious space allows the other tribes to begin to abuse and misuse other nations. And for that reason, I would not place my faith back to back and side by side with such type of segregatory remarks. In spite of the fact that your faith is supposed to be predicated on those very same texts that my have those... Just hold on, my Sheikh. My faith as I am taught and my faith as I am growing are not the same thing. The one that I am being taught is the dogmatic boundaries of ancient thinking. The one that I am discovering now is the progressive one. As I am noticing elements which are not conducive to human existence. And when I challenge those things, I don't want to be pushed back in the same old frames of ancient thinking. <laughs> okay, all right. Shake, you want to jump in. Go ahead. Uh, Naya. Yes, sir. I, I disagree with the bishop uh, when he says Islam re regards certain people as higher than it. Chapter 49, verse 13. I can give many, many verses. Uh, chapter 49, verse 13 of the Quran. As one of them, I gave chapter 17, 70 earlier on. 
this verse, chapter 49, 13, is addressing to all of humanity. You know, whatever color, whatever language, whatever name, all human beings, we have created you all from a single pair for male and female and made you into different nations and tribes so that you will all recognize and treat others as equal. You do not despise one another or regard one another as superior. The most honest in, in the one in the eyes of God is not what color or what race or what nationality or what uh, social class you are, but, but the one who is most righteous and God-conscious of you. So I don't know where the bishop is getting there. You know, Islam is the only, uh, in the nowhere in the Quran it puts somebody as above somebody else. Will, there are verses you, in the Quran. Sorry? I will help you quickly. Then why is it that the Quran is not translated into Zulu and Tosa? Is it it's not in the Bishop is it in Zulu, Tosa, and Sutu also? language is superior to all. No, we have the Quran in Zulu and Sutu and in Tosa. You'd hold on. You'd hold on to me. Is it not a deliberate intention that the Arabic language itself, through which the word came, remains as a superior language to the rest of it? No. No, no. Uh, there is no, the, the Quran in chapter 55 says God is the one who gave all languages. Islam regards every language as, as, as divine. In, in chapter 55, God says he's the one who created everyone and gave everyone languages. We believe all language is divine. There's no superiority of the Arabic why language. Don't Zulu, why don't we have a Zulu Quran? We have a Zulu Quran. How many copies do you want? Our institute translated it into Isi Zulu. We have it in Iqtosa. We have it in Sutu. Oh, that's, that's new to me. I didn't know that. No, no. I understand. I don't blame you. It's the, our fault. The fault lies entirely on us. But I want you to just understand, Bishop, that in no way in the Quran does it mention superiority and inferiority. The Prophet, peace be upon him. The, 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 the point I'm trying to drive is that the one, right. who, the one who practices slavery assumes that his culture and his nationality. Correct, correct. His, his the, Arab, the Arab thinks he's superior. I agree with you, but that's date, wrong. Up to, date, up to date, I feel like the Indian, yes. the, the Muslim, and etc. feel like their culture and their traditions and their personality is above If, if any Muslim is feeling like that, then they are wrong. You, and you are right. There are many who do think that way. I'm not denying that. I live you know, in Devon. I've seen Muslim people giving Africans a handkerchief and a towel for a Christmas present. <laughs> what a handkerchief? Okay, l- 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 I don't want us to digress. I don't want us to digress. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you found each other, gentlemen. But I want us to, to get to this point. When, when, we, when we speak about the Quran there, Sheikh, it does um, address people differently. There are people who are regarded to be people of the book. Who are those people of the book, Sheikh? Yeah, no, that's that's a factual distinction, not a discriminatory distinction. I if understand. I say, I say you are a you are a presenter. You are a very good presenter. I I, I'm not discriminating. Uh, that's your position. I, so uh, the people Jake? of the book are those. There are certain uh, prophets were given books, and most of them were given oral tradition. So when the Quran says people of the book, it's referring to those prophets who were sent to people, but were given scriptures. Not all prophets were given scriptures. There's no discrimination or inferiority in that. Uh, uh, this point i have not pointed it to as as a discrimination but i do want us to understand there sheikh that when we're talking about the quran we're talking about a, a document that seems to be able to identify people not as all the same you quoted a no. text you quoted a text there that implies and 49 implies that everyone is regarded to be equal and the same and yet as far as the quran when you read throughout it doesn't address people and identify them to no. be the same 
No, I, let's read 1770 again and 49, uh, 13 again. It, the Quran says that we are all from Adam and Eve. And and Kulu Bani Adam, you ask any Muslim, and he tells you, we are all one family. We all have one uh, mother and father, original Adam and Eve. So how can I be different from my next brother, an African or a a Khaza or a Chinese? So Islam, actually, it's the complete opposite. And when Islam differentiates between believers and Christians and Jews and, 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 uh, you know... Let's go uh, back. Let's go back to the Quran, Sheikh. It's not discrimination. It's, it's, It's categorizing, referring to certain categories of people in society. We talk of uh, social workers. Let's go to another text in the Quran. Sheikh, let's go back to the text in the Quran. Let's go to Quran 16, verse 75. I'm going to read to you. 16, chapter 16, verse 75. Okay. It reads, Allah sets forth the parable of two men. One, a slave under the dominion of another. He has Mm -hmm. no power of any sort. And the other, a man whom we have bestowed goodly favors from ourselves. And he spends, therefore, freely, privately, and publicly. Are the two equal? By no means. Praise be to Allah. But most of them understand not. That's Quran so that, 1675. That is, that is condemning slavery. That verse is condemning. Which part condemns you, slavery? Tell, let's read that verse again. Now. That verse is saying there's someone who's got a slave. Yeah. He is in charge of that slave, and he thinks he's superior to that slave. But the other person is a God-conscious person whom God has bestowed him with the knowledge and the knowledge that we are all equal, and he gives it. He doesn't discriminate on that basis. So that's what the Quran is saying. The Quran Let me is read condemning again, the Sheikh. first person who is treating that one as a slave, as inferior. Let me read again, Sheikh, and then perhaps we could move yes. on. Anyone can draw their own conclusions. Just read verbatim. It reads, and I quote, this is, mm-hmm. this is Quran 16.75. It reads, mm-hmm. Allah sets forth the parable of two men. One, a slave under the dominion of another. He has no power of any sort. And the other, a man whom he, we have bestowed goodly favors from ourselves. And he spends thereof freely, privately and publicly. Are the two equal? By no means. They can never be equal. The man no, who's I'm still being reading wrong it. Ho- can be equal to the one who's doing right. No, the Sheikh. man who's got a slave is Sheikh. doing wrong. He cannot be equal to the one who's doing right. Sheikh, that question is not mine. This is still part of the text. This is part of the, this is not, that's not the question that I'm 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 I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. It's part of the very same text. It's a part of the very same Quran 1675. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you when you can jump in. I'll close the quote. It says, okay. it says, um, uh, okay, I'm going to start from the top because I want us to get the full, full gist of it. Allah yeah. says forth the parable of two men, one a slave under the dominion of another. He has no power of any sort and the other are a man of whom we have bestowed goodly favors from ourselves mm-hmm. and he spends thereof freely, privately and publicly. Are the two equal? By no means. Praise be to Allah, but most of them understand not. Full stop. Yes. Close quote. Yes. Now that's a full text. It's that, that that's the question that is being asked there, and it's answered there in the text. There it says it's by say, no means in the very same saying, text. Yeah, it is saying Naya that verse is saying that the man who's got a slave is not equal to the man who does not have a slave and who does good with his money. But the man with the slave uses his money to oppress somebody else. They can never be equal. The apartheid regime, we will regard them as unequal. They were not good guys. You can't say they were good as our liberation movement guys. So they, can, they are not equal. That's not discriminating. That's stating a fact. 
All right, I understand that you have to leave now, Sheikh. Thank you very much for coming through and talking to us. We always appreciate your insights and your interactions. Very insightful. Appreciate your time, Sheikh. Okay. All right. Um, um, uh, now we're going to conclude our conversation by first uh, going to those of you who have sent your opinions on text. Those of you who have sent your texts on uh, social media, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter, Facebook, on Facebook. Otabo Mtembo writes, they're the same thing. One is more sleek, sophisticated, and the other was more in your face. But same thing. The question we're trying to get answered is what is religion's position on slavery? I'm not quite sure what Tabum Tembo is saying there. Another text from Sku Mbangase. Sku Mbangase writes, Naya, may you please write the WhatsApp number because you speak too fast. I couldn't get the WhatsApp number correctly. The number Sku Mbangase is O. Six one four one zero four one zero seven. Again, o six one four one zero four one zero seven. Ayandandaba writes, religion is not the problem, but it is how religion is applied. God's chosen people need not persecute, ill-treat, and condemn others. Theirs is to keep the commandments of their God so as to stay in his favor. The universal sin using religion. Okay, Ayanda. Thank you. Prince Taprinto. Prince Taprinto Musicare. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly. Slavery has never been an issue on in the Bible except when God did not want it over his chosen nation in Egypt. Thank you, Prince. Stephen Moyer writes, very complex topic. I can't wait to hear how the great minds are going to tackle this one. Thank you very much, Stephen Moyer. Mlambo Tibi Hibajene. Oh, is it Habijin? Okay, I'm sorry I butchered your name. They came through religion to enslave us. Religion equals slavery. I'm assuming you meant to say religion equals slavery. Okay, Mlambo, thank you very much. Bayolise Maitingwane writes, The colonialists introduced religion in Africa to justify the exploitation of the inhabitants. Colonialism and Christianity feeds each other. What I am trying to understand or to be taught is our pre-colonial history. I will never worship foreign gods. Thank you very much, Boyo. Let's appreciate it. Uh, you and where you are right now. Kok writes, Religion had cost us uh, our Ubuntu as Africans, and it's the very system which was imposed to us. You mean on us. In order to divide Africans and distract us from coming into contact together as Africans, those white people are fearing... And then a very sad smiley face emoji. It's not a smiley face. It's not smiling, right? Our unity as Africans. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, Big Sizwe, Mutsualedi Goniwe writes, Both Islam and Christianity have no issues with slavery. If they did, both these men-made religions would never have encouraged, supported, or practiced slavery. Thank you, Big Caesar. Stanley Chilambe writes, Slavery has always been justified by scripture. Maskole Somwasha writes, I bet that religions have divided people in racial and belief religion, targeting them as servitude and rogues. Maskole, you forgot to edit your text, didn't you? Okay.
I'm going to give my guests an opportunity to breathe on these, respond to them. Are, are we playing any of those voice notes there, Joey? Uh, we, are we not? Joey, are we playing? Okay, let's play the voice notes, shall we? Go ahead. Uh, my name is Mandlam Tolo. Uh, it is very much disappointing that even in this day and age, you've got churches and denominations who dare have discussions, you know, about these subjects. But the biggest problem is one, is that colonialism, that we suffered as black Africans, a tool of various types of religions was used, especially the Christianity to our own ancestors. Hence today, black people don't even, even know as to who are they. The identity also was lost in this saga. Thank you. All right. Uh, I didn't hear his name there. Go ahead. Go ahead. How are you, say I'm Joshua from Johannesburg. Yes, Joshua. Uh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist member. That's the church I attend. Uh, from our side, we don't uh, condone or support any form of slave trade or slavery. Therefore, we advocate for better working conditions for any human being, no matter he or she is educated or not. Then I think the other issue, the state should take action, the rule of land should take action and make sure that no one is taken for work without any payment. Uh, we, 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 we cannot tolerate that in this age and era. That's so unhuman and so pathetic. Thank you. Okay, Joshua, um, perhaps you might want to go and read some books written by Ellen G. White and her views on slavery. You would be shocked as a Seventh-day Adventist. Please, uh, next week, uh, call us and tell us what you have read written by Ellen G. White, Ellen Gold White, which is the prophetess of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and then tell us what she says about slavery. All right. Uh, can we play one more and then have our guest? No? No more? All right. Uh, we're going to move on and have our guest. Russ Tao Tao, one minute, and then the bishop, one minute. Go ahead, Russ. Uh, religion is culture deified. Hence, you see, all uh, all or most Muslims behave like Arabs, and most Christians behave like Europeans. So it is an expected condition, religion by itself, uh, particularly the religion of the book or of the people of the book, historically for the past 2,000 years have proven to be slave religions or pro-slavery. Right. So, in my conclusion, I'll say that uh, the institution of slavery and the, uh, the religion of the book, as long as there's still the book, it will always continue in different form, even in this modern time, as we're seeing it in Libya and other parts of the Arab world. All right. Bishop, one minute, go. Religion has evil tendencies which must be uprooted. And it always sounds nice when the other tribe is, is the one which is on top of the, of the text. Immediately when the hunter becomes hunted, then the public totally becomes uncomfortable. For that reason, I suggest that in our midst of trying to justify 
the evils that and the ills that come with the biblical text, we can kind of remove what I might want to call ethnic biases and advantages of one tribe above the other and try and treat the biblical text as an equal text to everyone. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Bishop. <laughs> I've never seen or heard the Bishop this uncomfortable ever. But it's good to hear uh, that um, we're still talking about conversations that are still uncomfortable today. I want to encourage you to go and read uh, LNG White's writing, Testimonies, Volume 7. Uh, discover what it says there and you'll be shocked to the bone. It's eight. It's time for us now to bow out. Thank you very much to all my guests. Rastau Tau Harabanuba, president of the Rastafara United Front. Pastor Joshua Maponga, cultural activist, writer, fighter of spiritual colonialism. Thank you very much, Sheikh Rafiq Hassan from the Islamic Interfaith Research Institute. Thank you very much to all of my guests. I am ever so grateful for you growing me and making me understand these things even better. I am all the better because of you. From me, Nayelu Pondwana and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed.